In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Many of us have been or are members of different organizations that have various rituals and rites. Some are initiation rites, the acceptance of a new member into a group or a club or an organization that requires some rite of passage or a statement that is read aloud. We think of fraternities and sororities, perhaps even secret clubs that we are sometimes intrigued by. It could be the taking of an oath. I, John Blackburn, do solemnly swear that. Other rituals and rites are the yearly or semi-yearly remembrance, perhaps even reenactment of an event that happened in years past, and are fresh each year because of what they mean to us. People who are graduates of Texas A&M University mentioned among their most hallowed traditions is that of the Aggie Muster, to remember the alumni who have died in the past year. Some cities have an annual festival, like Groundhog Day, where the city elders read some poem, pull a groundhog from out of a tree, and Puxatawney Phil gives us a weather report. But other rituals involve everyone who comes to the event, who comes and participates. And in that, we travel back in time, as it were, when the event first happened. And we join in that event with the people we see next to us or across from us, but also with those from generations past and with those who will yet follow after us. Maundy Thursday is one such day for us. We gather on a Thursday to recall several events. The first is to participate in the rite of rituals and rites and traditions, and we find ourselves gathering in an upper room with all of the history of Israel and all of the history and the future of the church coming together. And this ritual, this tradition, begins not in Jerusalem, but in Egypt with a group of slaves who call out unto the God of their fathers for redemption, for freedom, and for the fulfilling of a promise made to their ancestor, Abraham. Moses, a prophet appointed by God, returns to Egypt and asks Pharaoh to let the people of Yahweh go and worship him. In the desert. After many refusals, Moses tells Pharaoh that God is going to set his people free, and that is a sign of judgment every firstborn of the land, both human and animal, will die 
as the destroyer makes his way through the land. But by placing the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of a house, as the Israelites did, the destroyer would pass over them. A mark of sacrifice and the mark of a death bringing forth life. We continue as Christians with much of the symbolism from the Exodus, including the rite of baptism, the initiation of new Christians into the household of Christ. When we baptize, we recall the crossing of the children of Israel over the Red Sea, the final stages of redemption from slavery, by passing through the waters. Tonight, we pause for two rites, one symbolic, yet important, and the other sacramental. First, we recall Jesus' own action of humility and service to his disciples by washing feet. By no means is this a glamorous affair. When we think of the outward beauty of many people, very rarely do we think of feet, or at least I don't. And the person washing must get down, bow, as it were, to the person he is serving. When it is done as an expected service, it is something that can be rather humiliating, somewhat demoralizing. When it is done out of love, it is a tender, intimate even, sign of true humility. And when we wash feet, or in reality, when we do any sort of service, any sort of work in this world in the name of Christ and for the love of Jesus, it becomes an outward expression of the truest nature of a disciple. It is, in a way, our initiation, not into the Christian life, but into a life of discipleship, a life of service to our Lord. This year, the vestry and the altar servers will have their feet washed. And it isn't because they are better than anyone else, nor because they are worse than anybody else. It is because they, like me, an ordained minister, have accepted a call to serve Christ in his church, either on a governing body or in the simple yet important work of ministering at this altar.
And if we take Jesus at his word, because this thing has been done to them tonight, here in this chancel, then they too must find ways to wash others' feet. This is the mandatum, the monde, the new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Imagine for a moment if we, as St. Christopher's Parish, or we, as the Diocese of West Texas, or we, as the Episcopal Church of the United States, or we, as the Worldwide Holy Catholic Church, actually loved one another and showed that love daily Imagine what the world would say. Imagine what the neighbors would say. And how many people would be drawn closer to God simply through love. The washing of feet is a symbol of that love, the true love of Christ, the love that we are to share with each other, to share with everyone. This is not just a human commandment, some mere suggestion from a mere mortal man. This is not Jesus just speaking to some buddies. This is Jesus, the Word made flesh, God incarnate, who is telling us to love like He loves, to love others the way God loves us. But there is a second commandment that is given this night as well. And it is centered around the meal that Jesus shares with his disciples before his passion. It is what we hear recorded by St. Paul, as well as in the Gospel of St. Luke. Do this. 
do this in remembrance of me. We come together each week, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, to remember not only this act and this sacrifice, but also to remember the body of Christ, the church that is dispersed in the world. Knowing that the disciples and that Christians like us, we who follow them, Jesus gave this commandment to do the most sacred of all acts, to give thanks, to make thanksgiving, and to meditate on his death and sacrifice that brings to us life and not just immortality, but immortality as a child of God. Christ, our Passover lamb, is indeed sacrificed for us. This is our Passover meal. We who are Christians have come through the Red Sea, have gained our freedom in our baptism into Christ's death. And it is this meal this Passover celebration that through Jesus and the shedding of his blood, sin and death, therefore, no longer has a claim over us. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And while we should celebrate and be thankful, we should also come solemnly and reverently because what gives us life had to first pass through death. And all the agony and pain that the death of Jesus entailed. We cannot leave here unchanged, nor come back to the continuation of this liturgy tomorrow as if tonight didn't happen. So, as we continue to walk through this night, I want to give you two thoughts from two different theologians about the next rites we will participate in. First, from the English dawn and lay theologian C.S. Lewis. And I ask you to ponder this during the foot washing. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. 
and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendor. Next to the blessed sacrament itself. Your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. If he is your Christian neighbor, he is holy in almost the same way. For in him also Christ Vere latitat, the glorifier and the glorified, God himself is truly hidden. The second is from a Dominican monk, St. Thomas Aquinas. And this is from a hymn he wrote and I ask you to ponder it during the Eucharist as you make your way forward this evening. Thee we adore, O hidden Savior, Thee, who in Thy sacrament dost deign to be both flesh and spirit at Thy presence fail. Yet here thy presence we devoutly hail. O Christ, whom now beneath a veil we see, may what we thirst for soon our portion be, to gaze on thee unveiled and see thy face the glory, the vision of thy glory and thy grace.